Good morning this morning. Thank you for joining us here for the Veteran Musings podcast. We're coming to you live from the final week of the winter of illness and death. I'm very proud to have with me two survivors of the infamous winter of illness and death. We have Keith. Hi, Keith. Hi, Skipper. How you doing? Uh, better than Eddie. Well, good, because Eddie's here too. What's up, Eddie? <laughs> you dick. Not you, Tim. <laughs> Keith. I'll wear that. I'll own it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm doing great, grand, and wonderful. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. So, yeah, we're um, we're closing out the winter of illness and death, looking down the throat of World War III. I, I feel fine. Yeah. How so about I. you? Yeah? yeah. Yeah. You guys good with yeah. everything? What are your thoughts on uh, current events over there in Eastern Europe, Keith? Rough. Yeah? Rough. Yeah. So we Tell were just us talking. what you're seeing. Well, I've been watching it closely, and I was waiting for the Russians to kind of like unleash hell on them. Yeah. And uh, everybody was talking about how, what a stiff fight the Ukrainians are putting up. And I was like, yeah, I guess they are. But <laughs> at some point, you know, once they unleash the, the, the dogs of war, yeah, you know, with all of them bombing and, and just targeting everything, it just, you're not going to stand a chance against them. Right. So, Eddie, how about you? What are you saying? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same thing. I mean, the Ukrainians are putting up a, Stiff defense, but the Russians historically send in their, you know, God, not even their fifth or sixth tier, you know, forces first. They're, yeah. They they're send conscripts. in the conscripts mm-hmm. and the, yeah. you know, how many Russian soldiers have we seen on the on TV saying they were told it was a military exercise that their weapons were empty until they made contact the first yeah. time. Yeah. You know? uh, but at the same time, you know, like Keith said. <laughs> The Russians are pretty capable, you know. They're tier one units like Alpha Group. Yeah. Hell, even our our Dev Group, our SEAL Team Six, give those guys respect. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that, well, the West is so naive when it comes to everything real world, and that is because most of what we do is based in lies and self deception anyway, but. In looking at this situation in Ukraine, we have completely deceived ourselves about most, if not all, of the situation. But certainly the narrative that the Russians are not capable (laughs) on the military battlefield is very foolish. Very foolish. The, The narrative that we fell for started from the beginning. You know, the Snake Island narrative of the 13 Ukrainian soldiers that told told the Russian warship to go to hell, totally fake. The ghost of Ukraine, you know, the Ukrainian fighter pilot who shot down all comers, totally fake. But everyone in the West bought it, uh, hook, line, and sinker. You know, the uh, Miss uh, World supermodel who dressed up in combat gear to yeah. go out and fight who was really just playing airsoft. Yep. The West totally bought that stuff, you know. Everything down to you know Zelensky is out there on the front lines, wearing Kevlar and pitching a fight. Total BS. And I've noticed uh, a lot of the videos I've been looking at. It's it's shocking, if you will, these so-called 
untrained Ukrainian militias are doing anti-armor ambushes that are right out of the U.S. Army FM 7-8 manual. Right. I mean, they're textbook anti-armor ambushes. Mm-hmm. A, a group of untrained citizens don't perform like that. Nope. Nope. And like you mentioned, the, the front echelon top-tier Russian units don't drive into those no. either. No, they do not. So <laughs> what you're seeing is not what the media is portraying and likewise ukraine is really good at information warfare so they're presenting a lot of images of you know i was watching uh, independent open source intel analysis of all the quote-unquote captured russian soldiers that are calling home to mom and stuff like that are fake the you know a lot of the narratives that they build around these civilian casualties you know from russian airstrikes are fake they're using crisis actors to spin these narratives of genocide and you got to hand it to them because the world is buying it and that's you know the name of the game in war but you got to critique us because i mean correct me if i'm wrong but the biggest example of this has been the bio labs in ukraine you guys heard about this right yeah so russia comes out and says we've taken these bio labs in ukraine and the media in the west says that's a lie that's russian propaganda there are no bio labs in ukraine that the west has anything to do with and then under oath state department undersecretary says yes we have bio labs in Ukraine. And then DOD documents come out that show that we have funded like 35 bioweapons labs in Ukraine. So totally obliterating the narrative of, you know, Russian propaganda or whatever. Yep. But then the narrative is, well, these were all former Soviet biolabs that we're paying to be decommissioned. To I be decommissioned. That, yeah. And it's like, well, now wait a second. The Soviet Union left there. 1989. 30 years ago. Yeah. What's taking you so long? You can't, I mean, you can't decommission a biolab in 30 and, years? And when the Soviet Union collapsed, there were somewhere in the neighborhood of like 1,600 nukes, nuclear warheads, and fully assembled uh um, was it the DDG uh, intercontinental, yeah. intercontinental ballistic missiles? missiles? Yeah, uh, yeah, 1,600 in 18 months. All of those were quote unquote secure, right? Right, yeah. Right. So, why is it taking 30 years 30 to decommission that's a weapons laboratory? You must think I'm stupid to think that you know you can't decommission a weapons lab in 30 years. <clears throat> And then you have someone like Tulsi Gabbard, the former congresswoman, who comes out and says, we should call for a ceasefire until we can get these labs. You know, Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat, reasonably, I think, says we should call for a ceasefire until these labs can be inspected by an international group of inspectors. They can be secured because we don't want shooting going on if, you know, there's Shit. Biomaterial that causes diseases and stuff. We just got through a pandemic. 
and then you have Mitt Romney call for her to be tried for treason hmm. for saying that. I mean, treason has a death penalty, man. Mm. What What's treasonous about calling for a ceasefire while you secure? <laughs> yeah. Um, something just popped in my head when before Russia began their quote-unquote offensive um, I can't remember. It's one of Pelosi's buddies that, you know, for years he's been all over the TV saying there's no reason why anyone outside the military should own a, an AK-15 or an AR-47. Uh, I think it was AR-14, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he pops up and he's praising the Ukrainian government for handing AKs to untrained 80-year-old grandmothers. Right. You know, and I'm like, man, shut the... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, Keith, do you Shut own an AR-14? I, mean, I don't. No, let, let's be honest I here. Have, yeah, I can't afford that model. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too complicated to, to work right. I used to have several AR-14s, but they were lost in a tragic boating accident. They're all at the bottom of uh, of Lake Powell. So I, all my firearms were in that boat, and they're all gone now. So I have none left. Your your six cylinder, fully automatic forty five pistol. Yeah, that's okay. gone too. Yeah, all of it's at the bottom of Lake Powell. So, it's a thirty eight caliber thirty eight caliber V eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has a uh, ten round clip. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's still legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so your, anyway, your pistol with the bayonet lug. Yeah, yeah, that comes in handy when uh, when you're charging at Gettysburg yes so all that to say Steve or uh, Keith's old enough he was head count at the last supper he could probably tell us some <laughs> Gettysburg Gettysburg worst yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad you weren't there we wouldn't have any food left for Jesus but, yeah. um, <laughs> I bet he was pissed he smoked you didn't he yeah, front yeah. back goes until you got nauseous yeah. did you guys happen to see the speech that the uh, Ukrainian president gave this morning to Congress no, I read some highlights, but tell us okay. about it. Well, it comes on there. They basically he starts it off speaking in Russian, uh-huh. and then uh, there is a clip, a video clip that they've edited and compiled. It's just massive suffering, right? Just crazy, crazy. I mean, as violent as can be, dead bodies all over, kids, women, pregnant women. It was well done. And then he speaks English, and he's basically calling for Joe Biden to, to have a no-fly zone uh-huh. to be more involved. And I'm thinking, we don't want to do that because you know no. damn well that one of these pilots is going to make a mistake under pressure and it's going to escalate into, you know, oh, yeah. neighboring countries. And what will Putin do? He won't. He's not going to just back down. No. You know, especially if you shoot one of his aircraft. Cause we, and I think it was in the first Gulf War, the Americans shot down a British tornado and killed both pilots, if I remember right. Yeah. And that's happened a few times. Yeah, no-fly zones can be messy, mm-hmm. as yes. it turns out. And, uh, well, you're right. That emotional plea to Congress was persuasive because Biden has since announced that he is sending armed drones to Ukraine. Now, that has nothing to do with a no-fly zone. Of course, those are air-to-ground capabilities. But let's face it, if 
if you're Russia and the West is providing all those weapons, the ones that are destroying your tanks, the ones that are flying through that airspace and threatening your guys from the ground, and providing intelligence that will be fed to ground forces that will kill your guys, those are acts of war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Well, just keep it simpler, all right? The situation that exists right now, Russia closing its airspace. If if they can prove we had one flyover since they closed their airspace, that's an act of war. Yep, absolutely. And, and in front of the Hague and the laws of land warfare, that's justifiable for you to take offensive action of an invasion against of an air base air? that's yeah. launching this stuff. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not on Russia's side, but I'm not on Ukraine's side. I'm on the truth side. And I am interested in what's true about the situation. The Ukrainian government has been involved in killing civilians in Donbass for eight years. Mm -hmm. And if Zelensky wants me to cry crocodile tears over his video then he's got some answering to do for what's going on in Donetsk and Luhansk because there's some brutal video that's come out of there over the past eight years. Mm -hmm. And I think some explanation is due as to why they feel the need to arm the Azov Brigade, a clearly Nazi, neo-fascist organization. And then when... Putin says that one of their objectives is the denazification of Ukraine. Everyone says there are no Nazis in Ukraine. That's silly. And it's like, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. They're so very clearly Nazis. Did you, <laughs> did you hear about the, uh, the newspaper in Canada that published a picture of the two Ukrainian girls and they had to withdraw the story because the girls were wearing, uh, plate carriers and they had nazi black sun patches on their plate yeah. carriers and they didn't catch it and then they had well, to oh what was it was it last week or it? week before uh, old woman bandaged face blood all over and it hit every newspaper magazine news clip whatever she was a survivor of a, a russian air raid on her uh apartment complex apartment complex yeah and then an independent journalist blows all that out of water. She's like, no. Here's the picture of the same woman from 2016 when a gas explosion blew up her apartment complex. Right. You know, so, right. yeah, we're seeing way too much of that shit. Exactly. You know? And it's, it's yeah. not the Russians. It's the Ukrainians. Yeah. You know, this, this whole and I'm social. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. This. I know you're sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> the social networking part, the, yeah. the information part, yeah. is a whole new type of weapon system. Where, you know, back say like well, what happened it, in Laos and Cambodia, it, no one knew about what it, was going on. It's called there. I.O. Information Operations. Yeah, right. and it is we we learned that lesson. I know you saw it as an Afghan hand. Oh yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> get a convoy in Iraq, it gets hit by an IED and then a complex ambush afterwards, small arms fire, RPGs, you got to return fire. Those RPGs that miss that convoy impact into a civilian apartment complex, 
kill some women and some kids fired by the insurgents. But by the time that patrol indexes and gets back to the FOB, it's already all over Facebook and all the social media that the Americans killed kids during this ambush. And it works. Yep. It worked. It's so effective. My lie. You guys are familiar with my lie incident in Vietnam. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So Callie's revenge. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a good friend of mine was friends with Callie. Went to the brig to see Callie when Callie was in, in the brig in Georgia. But that story wouldn't have come out the way if it wasn't for an American uh, loach pilot and his gunner. His gunner actually they hovered in front of these American troops that were getting ready to ambush even more of them. And the gunner pointed his weapon and was intending on shooting these American troops if they opened fire on these civilians. Wow. But, you know, now we can take that type of information and just, you know, edit it the way we want to, to you know, stir the pot a little bit. Get Americans, oh, look what the Russians are doing. You know, the Ukrainians are just suffering. And, da, da, and, and I'm not on either side of this because I think they could find a, a way to, you know, I mean— what is the what is the what is the main duty of government is the protection of the people mm-hmm. right and and your your way of life well to me is if you know you can't fight and survive and you do everything you can to use misinformation disinformation to sway the sides of people around you you're basically lying yeah. to everyone and, and creating an extremely dangerous situation. I mean, we're talking about, you know, this could escalate huge. And those other countries around it, if they fall for this bullshit, are going to be more prone to say, you know what? The Russians are coming after us next. We got to do something. We got to get, get into this. Right. And before we know it, we have a war sweeping across Europe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> ultimately, at some point, we in the West have to ask the question, why does NATO still exist? Exactly. It is an organization that was formed to keep the Soviet Union from continuing its march westward after it seized Eastern Europe mm-hmm. post-World War II. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, why in the world did we continue to use NATO? If you read NATO's own materials, they talk about it. It is the most successful peace alliance of all time. Okay, <clears throat> I get that because what you're saying is before NATO, Europe, Europeans couldn't stop killing each other. Mm-hmm. You know, for 200 years prior to NATO, Europeans were constantly getting in wars and NATO stopped that. Okay, fine. But what good is that if all you've done is postpone that to a bloodbath to make World War One, World War Two look like a Sunday picnic, right? You have to constantly evaluate the trade-offs because right now you have a collective security agreement with Article 5 nature of NATO that, as you all pointed out well, one errant weapon or one move by Russia obligates everybody to go headlong yep. into a war with a country that has 6,000 nuclear weapons there's no flexibility once that happens and the other part is there's a real naivete i think about russia in terms of everyone likes to think that 
Putin is the new Hitler. Putin's the master and commander of Russia. While he is in charge, and he's done a fine job of putting himself in charge, he's also in the historically precarious position of leaders of the Soviet Union and Russia, in that there are hardliners behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And if Putin brings it weak, those hardliners will make a move to end him and take over themselves. And if you think Putin's bad, oh, yeah. wait till the Vladimir Zhirinovsky types get in charge. These are folks who believe that Russia's manifest destiny doesn't end in Europe. It extends all the way to the Indian Ocean. It extends all the way to the South China Sea. These are real nut jobs. So, and now they're all billionaires as well. Yeah, and we've taken all their stuff. See, this is the, the problem that I have with this logic is that we're taking away their options. Yeah, we're backing them into a corner. Yeah. When you take all their stuff, you isolate them, you damage their economy, you ruin their future. And then think about this McDonald's is gone, yep. Pizza Hut is gone, Coke is gone, Pepsi's gone. 500 corporations from the West have withdrawn from Russia. And all of our media is now banned from Russia. Netflix is banned from Russia. The internet basically is banned from Russia. You realize how long it took us to get those things into Russia? Mm -hmm. And now the only thing those people are going to hear is the signal of the hardliners, mm -hmm. the signal of Putin. <clears throat> They're going to motivate them to fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole objective of the West has always been to get the voice of America behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, remember the Pizza Hut commercial where Gorbachev walks into a Pizza Hut in <laughs> Moscow? Yes, yes. And the, the kid is like, Gorbachev has given us freedom. And the old man is like, no, he's given us chaos. And the young kid's like, yeah, but he's given us opportunity. And the old man says, yeah, but he's given us turmoil. And then the grandma says, well, one thing that he's given us, Pizza Hut. And everyone says, hail Gorbachev, hail mm -hmm. Gorbachev. And it's it was like played around the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, and that's gone now. We should be concerned that the West has withdrawn because it took us forever to get Pizza Hut in yep. there you ever seen a uh a feral raccoon when it gets cornered no one of them i have pretty Not traumatic this week, anyway yeah moment Maybe. of my life i was about 11 years old and uh two of our dogs cornered a raccoon in a barn that raccoon killed both of those dogs and chased four humans because it was cornered it had you know Nothing left Not, to lose. Nothing left to lose, and it knew it. Yep. And uh, raccoon still died because my grandfather shot it after when he saw his damn dead dog. But still, it took yeah, it took yeah. something with I mean, it, right? Raccoon killing two hound dogs because it was cornered. Yeah. You know? uh, I'll be it? real surprised if there's not some type of accident or misunderstanding that escalates us to a yeah. place that we don't want to go. I think the problem is is that most civilians, most people don't quite comprehend what would happen even in a limited oh, yeah. nuclear exchange. Oh my god. Yeah. 
that it would devastate the entire world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I read a report that if India and Pakistan had a... There you go again. You uh, don't fucking know how to read. Had a very limited exchange. It would devastate the world economy. Millions would have to be displaced. Oh, yeah. You know, know, a nuclear winner. And that's just limited weapons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I mean is we're just asking for it. Yeah. When you give people who have 6,000 nukes the perception that, okay, use them or lose them. Mm-hmm. They've taken everything else. They've taken your big boat. They've taken your money. They've taken your business. They've taken your future sources of revenue. They've taken your Netflix. They've taken your you porn. Mm-hmm. They've taken your red tube. They've taken your uh, X hamster, you know, whatever. Those people are... You're validating, number one, everything the hardliners have ever said about the West, which is they're coming for us. Mm -hmm. Number two, you've given them the perception that, okay, unless you use the military you have, you will lose it because they're coming for that next. Mm. That's dumb because what are they going to do? They're going to hurt a lot of people. As you pointed out, the uh, wounded raccoon theory they're going to hurt a lot of people because in their mind they're justified. Mm-hmm. They're justified mm-hmm. to do that because you're closing in. We should be surging media into them. We should be surging McDonald's and Coke and porn yeah. or whatever. Try to keep a buffer zone. Exactly. Yeah. They should be hearing more views and more voices, not mm-hmm. fewer. And I'm sorry, banning Russia today in the West, in the 80s, I could get Pravda and TASS, the newspapers. Mm-hmm. I could get those and read them. We never banned Pravda and TASS. I was at the Air Force Academy studying, and I could read Pravda and TASS. Yeah. I don't understand why we, we need to ban their media over here because... Yeah, during the Cold War, I, I remember getting weekly some briefings that were included uh, articles from Pravda, and um, uh, what was the the red banner or the red red something the mm-hmm. the Russian version of Stars and Stripes? Their military yeah. newspaper. I think it was red banner. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. But, but now we, we've we've silenced their voices, so they've silenced our voices. And where does reason come into play? You know, where do you consider the other side? I'm not saying that we should be sympathetic to their side per se, but even Sun Tzu said it, know yourself, know your enemy, a thousand battles, a thousand victories. If we don't understand what they're saying and what they're telling their people, we don't have a chance. And certainly we want them hearing our side. You know, this kind of reminds me of uh, Bobby Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. All the generals, everyone wanted to invade Cuba. And Bobby Kennedy took John F. Kennedy outside on the West Wing on a, on a little outside patio. And, and he Colonnade. Said, yeah. He said, don't do it, Jack, because if you do it, you're going to start a third world. And it was very strange. It didn't get released decades later, but all those Soviet submarines that were shadowing our, our fleets were all armed with tactical nuclear torpedoes. And yeah. they were instructed to use them if it went hot. And it would have started a complete third yeah. world. Oh, yeah. 13 days of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely but right. What, what you were saying, Tim, about you know, not giving people options, uh, reminded me. I read a book many years ago, um, 
written by this Marine, retired Marine colonel, World War II, Korea, Vietnam vet. But one part of the book, in 1951, he was uh, an intelligence officer, and he was interrogating Chinese prisoners that were being captured by the 1st Marine Division there in uh, North Korea. And after World War II ended, he was in northern China disarming the Japanese, working with the national, the Chinese Nationalist Army, mm-hmm. and he befriended a Chinese Nationalist Army major that was actually grew up in the United States, was educated, I think, at Princeton, and then went back to fight for his own country against the communists. Mm-hmm. And then, right. In 1951, this same former Nationalist Chinese Army major is now a private in the communist army and is a prisoner that this guy's interrogating. And in his book, I remember him asking him, what the fuck? You hate the communists. You know, I, I lived with you. I worked with you for two years. I know how you feel about the communists. Why in the hell are you a, a soldier in the communist army? It's like guy looked at him and said, they control the rice. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. So when you have no option, bad go, things happen. Yeah, you go with the flow. Yeah. As untasteful as it may be, that's your only option. It'd be nice to have a Henry Kissinger, someone of that intellect, oh to, to deal with this situation. It seems like we just don't have that kind of leadership anymore. We have no nobody approaching adulthood jesus christ our president was on national tv yesterday and he said and i quote the first lady's husband has covid and then an aide you can hear the aide off camera saying sir you are the first lady's husband <laughs> oh no i mean the 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 second gentleman uh, uh i'm like holy fuck this is the leader of the most powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of this though, too, is we've had a huge gap between world war two. And now we've had Iraq and Afghanistan. But if you look at it, like, if you look at the number of Americans killed in a week in Vietnam versus Afghanistan, or Iraq, I mean, it's just, there's a complete difference, right. but we have forgotten really the violence of war. Yeah. And that's where Eisenhower and a lot of, you know, Robert Kennedy, they fought in the big wars. They yeah. understood they also understood the strategic idea of, of like General LeMay. They they knew that wow, you know, this could really spiral out of control. We've got to really like like think before we talk. Yes. And then talk before we act. Yes. And then maybe talk some more. You know. Well, you're making an excellent point. <coughs> Excuse me. That we used to grow statesmen mm-hmm. who specialized in the business of coming up with win-win outcomes that maximize the benefit for the people of everyone involved. Not just we win, you lose, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Because the stakes are too high. You know, we've really pushed NATO so far that now it is, NATO is the danger to our security that it, was designed to prevent or as we say in oklahoma you can get wet on both sides of the dock you can be so afraid of falling off the right side of the dock that you jump too far to the left and get just as wet falling off the left side of the dock mm. right 
So we've pushed NATO so far that it has become the threat that it was designed to avoid, mm -hmm. which is war with Russia. And that is where it takes elder statesmen who understand the whole point of NATO was to not get in a war with Russia by being so strong as a collective team that we presented an adversary that they wouldn't want to take on. Mm -hmm. But now we've pushed it so far the other way that it's causing a war with Russia that will end the same way <laughs> that uh -huh. if we wouldn't have had NATO to begin with. Yep. See what yeah. I mean? Yeah, we, we really need some smart people, and I don't see this administration as being capable. I mean, I would if I was the president, you know, it's like Nixon used to send Harry, uh, Harry Kissinger over to China all the time, right. constantly going back and forth, right. you know, trying to keep the peace with them. And, right. and I, I don't see that. All I see no. is more separation, more uh, division. Yeah, you know, more divide, disengage. Yeah, yep, exactly. Well, the clock on the wall says it's that's all, right? For the Warrior Musings podcast, thank you so much for joining us, and we wish everyone an excellent week remaining in this winter of illness and death. And may you have a pleasant tomorrow. Mashallah.